One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, where the show where music and memory come together to bring out our guests, stories, and personalities. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Randy Ramos. Randy's a videographer, editor, and avid cinephile. Born and raised in Florida as a first-generation immigrant, Randy attended Full Sail in Orlando and graduated in 2012. Over his career, he has worked on shoots, including for ESPN, music festivals on cruises, nationally broadcast dog shows, wedding films, and music videos. Randy moved back to Southwest Florida in 2013 and was a production director for Waterman Broadcasting, that's the local NBC-ABC affiliate, before shifting to photojournalism and joining us here at WGCU Developing Content and Stories. Hey there, Randy. How's it going? Good. Thank you for doing this on such short notice. Of course. That's what I'm here for. You are basically tied for the shortest notice of doing this show. Awesome. Uh, the, the other one was like in year one or two is a high school friend that was in town and they got like less than 24 hours notice. The difference is, is that I went to high school with them. Mm-hmm. You didn't send me your bio, so we're just going to flow right <laughs> through this. We're just going to figure it out, yep. Okay, so um, have you listened to music so far this morning? This morning, yes. What were you listening to? So, funny enough, I was still having difficulty picking my third song, which is a Nine Inch Nails song, so I was just like, shuffling through like the songs that I like, feel like I wanted to select, so it was mostly, if you've heard Nine Inch Nails, like, it was definitely a certain energy for sure for the morning, but... That's okay. Yeah, that's mostly what I listened to this morning. Okay, so uh, where did you grow up, and how would you describe the musical background of your childhood? So I was born in Miami, but I moved to the Southwest Florida area very shortly after, so I've been here pretty much my entire life, Yeah, Mm. and I've never lived anywhere else. Um, musical background is... Where in Southwest Florida? Oh, so I mostly grew up in... You don't have to go too far, but yeah. In the Cape. In the Cape. Yeah, in the Cape, yeah. Okay. And then so, actually, this is my... First or second year moving actually just over the bridge. Just like that was just like a crazy area. I was just like, I don't know. Welcome to over the bridge. But now I'm like, oh, life is so much actually easier over the bridge because I'm literally going over the bridge four times a day anyway. So I'm like, oh, why don't I just move over the bridge? Right on. That's a whole new life. So, musical background of your childhood in Cape Coral. So, musical background, it was mostly shaped by the people I was around. And more so like what I chose to seek out and expose myself to instead of like what I grew up with because I'm, I'm a first generation immigrant. So my parents are, my dad's Colombian and my mom's Venezuelan. So they have a very specific culture. They have a very specific, specific region, like all of their things that they grew up with. I would hear growing up, but like it's so over my head. Like I have no context of who these People are who are like very famous singers and celebrities and, you know, in South America. But like, I have no idea. I had no context. So like every time I would just hear it, I'd just be like, I don't know, just kind of in my one ear, what the out the other. So like I never really connected that way with music. Like, oh, I because like usually so usually you're, you grew up listening to what your parents listen to. And then sometimes that shapes what you either continue to listen to or it like completely flips you around like, okay, I hate that so much. I go the other way and then find a different avenue. So what did you seek out? So I sought out mostly what I was exposed to just like in high school and stuff. So it was just like the mid 2000s was a very specific time for rock. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say if it was um, good or bad, but it was a specific era. So that was mostly what I grew up with. How would you describe it for those of us who don't know exactly what you mean? So it was around the time it was like the new metal era. So it was more like, I grew up with System of a Down. I grew up with, I'm blanking. I'm actually blanking right now. Help him, Tara. Help him. Yes, please help him. I'm going to say what, like. Corn, System of a Down, Static X, like stuff like that. So it's going to be um, kind of electronic in a way, too. And some of it even mixed in kind of like hip hop elements to it. So there'd be like turntables, things like that kind of incorporated, like Limp biscuit e type thing, if that rings a bell for you, Mike. How's that sound, Randy? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah. Ultimately, it rings bells, Tara. It rings I don't bells. know what kinds of bells exactly, but they're bells <laughs> ringing. <laughs> and ultimately, I guess the energy of most of that is just, I would say, angry, I would say. So I shifted a little bit towards that, but that was just like what I was kind of exposed to with my friends and stuff. And mm-hmm. so, but ultimately what I sought out on my own way was just 
Um, I really got into film soundtracks. I really, I mean, I'm a uh, cinephile in general, but I really got into soundtracks and then it completely like changed my brain chemistry and like hmm. reoriented how I listen and perceive music. Cause like more often than not, I don't really listen to lyrics. I just listen to the melodies. Yeah. And like, there's so many times where like, I'll be listening to a song with Tara and she'll be like, Oh, she'll like mention something that they just said in the song. I'm like, Oh, I wasn't even not even. Yeah. You were, you were feeling the song and imagining what it would jive with visually. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I started to perceive music. It's how, that's what I sought out. So I would, go out and like, okay, this is purely instrumental, but I just don't like the way it sounds because I can't fit it to anything that's visually, anything that I find visually interesting in my mind. So like, I'll just shift to like, okay, this melody I like more. And just like Hmm. how I just like, even vocals, like I listen to a lot of, one of those bands I'm, on my list is Sigura, so they're Icelandic. Oh, that's how you say it. Good. Thanks yeah. for that. I'll, I'll use that later. Mm, so they're actually <laughs> Icelandic, but they actually sing in a made-up language. The lead singer is like a very falsetto voice. So like, really, it's just like another instrument in the huh. song. I so like, I that. never really think of to like, because I listen to a lot of like foreign music, because like... I, a lot of people are like, you don't yeah, need the lyrics. Yeah, to a lot of anything, people are like, how can you literally. listen to that? You don't understand what they're saying. But like, it's really, I never have worried about it because well, it's just the melody and it's how the chord progression, it's like how it makes you feel. That well, that that's a tip into how long you've been into film, which we'll get more into later. Um, do you ever play any instruments when you're a kid? Um, unfortunately, no. I always, always, always wanted to learn how to create music. I've only ever consumed music, but I've always wanted to take. Like I fiddled around with the guitar a little bit, just like I mean, I feel like most young boys do. But then I really got into Rock Band Guitar Hero because like that was kind of my era growing so up. That even was your it's not absolutely the same thing whatsoever. <laughs> but it exposed me to so many songs and genres and decades because like again, as a first generation immigrant, and also like I'm 29, so like I just there's just so many things I just wasn't exposed to, and I would never have been exposed to because my parents are never going to be like, hey. Check out Fleetwood Mac or, hey, check out, I don't know, um, check out the Beatles, for example. Like, all they right, would right. never have. That would, that would just wasn't going to happen. No, so, like, all these things are just, like, and then I go to school and, like, all these things are kind of floating over my head because I'm, like, I have no context or cultural mm. connection to that. So, like, a lot of this, like, a lot of these things I'm, like, seeking out myself. So, running through, like, people like to jest a guitar. I was like, oh, just play a real guitar. But, like, I was, like playing through so many decades and eras, like things like I would never have been exposed to. And I just wasn't around for it. And just like, and I found so many great bands and music, classic music that I love and still enjoy to this day, just like from playing all those games, playing video games yeah. with, with plastic guitars. Yeah. Those video games. That's gonna, <laughs> that's murdering society. Yeah. Sometimes they're cool. And sometimes they're fun. Um, before we get to your first song, um, were your folks okay with the kind of music you were sort of bringing into their world? I don't think so. I mean, not, I feel like it, for the most part, didn't bother me. It was like out of sight, out of mind. But every so often, I remember one time my mom came in and she's like, what is this? It was a System of Down album because like one of the songs on there is like called Violent Pornography. And she's like, she was like a gasp. I'm like, I don't know. It's just. I hate both those things, son. (laughs) That sounds terrible. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I don't know. That sounds pretty fun, but I don't know. I guess, yeah. So, like, I wouldn't say they really particularly enjoyed the energy. And also, like, because they also have no connection to what I'm listening to whatsoever. Because, like, from their point of view, they're immigrants and they just listen to what they listen to. And now, what is this angry, loud music that's just, like, noises? Like, I don't know. Like, they just didn't understand. So, like, yeah. I wouldn't say they really jived with it very well. Hmm. Okay. So, um, did what, – what was it called? Rock, rock, what, what, rock Man or Guitar Hero? Yeah. Guitar Hero. Did it have Beatles songs on it? Uh, yes. Really? They can get the licensing for Beatles songs? Well, in the beginning, they only did covers because they couldn't afford to get the original license for the song. But once it got in popularity, they were able to acquire licenses for like, they did a Green Day version. They did, um, they did a few other versions that I'm blanking on right now. But that was ultimately, that's what sold me on the Beatles and that, wow. If it wasn't for me, hadn't been exposed to the Beatles in that way. I went through like a decade-long Beatles phase. I'm, I might still be going through. You're it still day. in it. I'm still in it. Like I don't know. I'm just like, I remember playing that game and be like, w- w- "Have you guys heard about these guys called the Beatles? Like they just blew my mind. Have they you, do such they're from, amazing. They're like work. from across the pond. And like we've seen them. Like oh my god. Oh well, my god. Um, well, let's do your first song then. It uh-huh. is a Beatles song. What's the story? Do you want to tell it first, or do you want to play it first? Sure. Um, 
my first exposure really to the Beatles was actually a movie I saw in theaters with my middle school girlfriend. It was called Across the Universe. Yeah, I know so that it's film like, super well. So it's like, it's a beautifully shot movie and it's, I don't know, people like have quarrels with it, but like ultimately it's just like a beautiful movie that has like, that's obviously indebted to the Beatles. They obviously appreciate the work and care about the Beatles. So like, I don't know, it's just like a fun little colorful story. So that was the first time I was really, even though they're covers, that was my first time truly just being exposed to like, obviously like being alive in America, you being alive anywhere, you've heard of the Beatles, but I've never just like sat down and like, all right, time to listen to the Beatles because that's just not how, I don't know, I'm already in my own path of finding music. So like going backwards to something I have no context to like, and plus they're not even American. So like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I feel like I lost my train of thought. Hmm. What was I saying? I was talking about, oh yeah. So, sorry. So I feel like my first time really being exposed to the Beatles was going to see Across the Universe, which is like a beautifully, beautifully shot movie. And being exposed to those covers in that way, I was like, whoa, what? It wasn't so much the covers that I enjoyed, but just like the melodies. I'm like, whoa, what is this? So I remember downing the soundtrack and listening to the soundtrack and then like then started going down the rabbit hole of like, okay, listen to the originals. And then once the, it was all around the same time where then the Beatles rock band came out and then the, you, it's like such a beautiful little game. And it's like, it takes you through like all the eras of like their discography and like you can buy like full albums and you can just like play through all the albums. And like, so you play all of it. You played, you can play. Yeah. I played. Uh, wow. You can, they didn't do all the albums, unfortunately, but, but a lot. They did it's not Abbey just three Road, or four songs. Rubber Soul yeah, yeah. and, um, and well, you need to learn the guitar so you can do it for, for I don't want to say that's not real, but <laughs> no, no, exactly. It's like, it's still like chord progression. It's still like, you still need to just yeah, yeah, with melody. Yeah. You still need timing. You still, it, to learn, it teaches you all these little tidbits that you can translate eventually to like real skills. Yeah. So why happiness is a warm gun? This. And so I remember this is one of the, I would say one of the more final songs of the movie. And that's, this is a song and I was like, whoa, yo, what are these guys about? So this is the one that if I, if I actively choose to listen to any song from that soundtrack, it would probably be the song. Well, let's listen to it. I love that movie. I have a story for it afterwards. Um, Ramos. You say your last name, Ramos? I say Ramos. I Ramos. think, of, I think <laughs> technically it's Ramos, but I don't know. Like, I feel like having like a... I don't know. I feel like having, how to put this? Like, I feel like it's strange when people are like, oh, that guy's name's Peter. But in South America, you like, sometimes you call him Pedro, but like, no, like his name is still Peter. So like, I feel like, cause in America, like I'm American, I just, I would, that's how I would pronounce my name. All right. This is Randy Ramos's first song today on three song stories. This is happiness is a warm gun by the Beatles off their 1968 self-titled album. When you finally started listening to songs from the movie, which were the ones that were like most surprising to you? Do you remember? Because the movie has so many different, the covers mm-hmm. are so different. Were there any of them that stuck out when you heard them? You're like, wow, that's what it really oh, was. Like. Oh, that's like, yeah, <laughs> specifically. So they have a great cover of um, I Want You. And it's like this really great. Um, that's the one where they're all like. Yeah, it's like when they send them off to Vietnam and it's like, it's like great visual imagery and stuff. But I was like, okay. Uh, whatever next one but then when i heard the original version of i want you with like the outro and everything and with like the extended instrumental like noisy break and then like the dead cut and then it goes to here comes the sun i was like whoa okay what are these guys about now i like i'm obsessed and i yeah i don't think i there was a second for a little bit where i broke away from my beatles phase but i think i'm unfortunately i think i'm being sucked back in this is doing it right oh now. i think what had happened is when uh <laughs> it was a couple things saving ago when get back came out Mm. That's when I was like, okay, I've been out Did of... Did you watch all that? I See, watched... I wasn't a big enough fan. I tried, but I just realized about 20, you know, half an hour in, I'm like, I'm not a big enough Beatles fan to to probably spend all this time with it. I think what it, when it sold me, I I didn't watch all of it, but I did watch the first episode, then half of the second episode. Where it did sell me was you see Paul in the first episode, like create, get back, like just like off the cuff. And you actually see like his process of him and him like finding the riffs and the melody, just like all in just like him just sitting there fitting with his guitar that legitimately 
blew my mind. Oh, yeah. Like, that, like, that footage just has been sitting in some film canister mm-hmm. just collecting dust somewhere. But, like, that's what's really the most interesting. Like, all people find all, like, there's these boring popular cultural takes. Like, oh, Yoko killed the band. Like, all these things. Like, all these things that people have been parodying forever. But, like, the art But unfold. the real interesting yeah. things is just, like, oh, they were a certain way during the shooting but like no the reality is this and here it is and having that be exposed to the world especially like they like scanned it up they like did Dolby Atmos they like did the 4K rescan like it was like all these talking film talk yeah and it just I don't know it just looks honestly incredible it looks like it was shot not that long ago which yeah yeah, when it comes to film like people are surprised but if you take care of it properly and you you restore it it can look Amazing! It can look brand new. My uh, my quick uh, across the universe stories is a. It's the first movie that I played or I showed my daughter that she just totally fell in love with. It just completely changed her world. But b. If I ever have to be in a movie or in a scene in a play and I have to cry on demand, all I have to do is think of that "Let It Be" song with the kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yep. Oh my god, yeah, that one. Yeah. That I mean, I just I remember sitting there with my daughter who was like eleven at the time, just trying to hold it in, especially as a parent. I don't yeah, know, it was like wow. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you already talked about what kind of music you were listening to in high school. Where did you fit into the stratification? Cape Coral High? Um, I went to Mariner High. Mariner? Okay. Where were you in that scene? Hmm. Tara just gave you his little salute. Hmm. Is that the, what's that Where the Mariner salute? <laughs> you are, so... Were you a film 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 nerd? Were you like... At that like, point, like I AV, was... AV club and all that? I, I unfortunately... As much as I wanted to be an AV club nerd, like I tried so hard to get in those classes, but they were just like always full. And then like, really? I, don't know, I would always like go up to the teacher each year directly. Like, hey, I'm actually really interested in this. Like I know it's like a screw around class where everyone just likes to whatever, but like I'm actually interested in doing this. Like I'd love to get in. And, like no, I I actually never got into any of those classes. So what, for, what were you doing? That's a great question. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> um, I was just just I, trying to get to the end. I was just at this point. I was just fully immersed in films. I was just on your own terms, on my own terms. Yeah. I was just, I would just like all these like top hundred lists, top thousand lists, all these things you need to see before you die. Like I was just like going through oh, fit, watching movies. Yes. Watching. Movies, oh, yeah. like, so you've watched like a gazillion movies. I'd, I thought I had, but there's just so many out there. And now <laughs> with the advent of like, I mean, not the advent of the internet, but like recently, like since there's new, yeah, internet since thing, this new the internet there's movies been, everywhere. I mean, it's a fad, I think. But ever <laughs> since this new internet thing, like you're exposed to like more people who have the same interests and like, oh, I thought I was big. No, this person yeah. has like, whoosh, I'm like, okay. So ultimately it's not, that's not what consuming things is about. It's not just like checking off everything into being done. It's like, oh, it's actually organically. Of understanding yeah. of everything and how it's done, it's especially like a, as a videographer, as a visual storyteller. What was your first camera? Camcorder. My first camcorder, funny enough, so I never had access really to a video camera because at that point they were still kind of a little too expensive. Like they had gotten down in price much better, but obviously I'm still like a student. So I have no income and no money and no prospects. So I didn't really have access to that. So I remember having an iPhone, but it was like the one of the first iPhones before I could even record video. So I remember actually it's called jailbreaking it where you like, go into the digitally go into internals of the the phone and like hack it software yeah so like <laughs> i i downloaded like this like off brand third party like uh video app that like it's not really a video. It's just like forcing the camera to take 20, pictures as 30 fast pictures. as possible. So, yeah. so you hacked your early it's, iPhone. It was like and the iPhone three G shoot like. 30 frames a second. Yeah. I, I don't think it could even reach that high. It, it got to like 22 maybe. So it was like kind of like stuttery uh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was really the, because like that was always with me and it was like Did always Did you make small. things with that? Did you yeah, shoot I, some stuff Yeah, I would that? like always like go to school and I would like shoot little things. I would just cut them up and I would just like put Did them you on like YouTube. edit that on like, you know, Windows Movie Maker yeah, or something? Yeah, at that point it was like, yeah, I was struggling. It was like Windows Movie Maker-esque like software, like super free, like cyber power free director, whatever, like, I don't know, whatever yeah, yeah, nonsense yeah. there was. Do, do any of those still exist? Is I'm there sure, a YouTube channel sure with an they, early um, Randy iPhone hacked? They are. They're actually all private and unlisted because I don't want to lose access to them, but I also don't want anyone to be exposed to them either. So we can't share them with our social media that Tara runs? No. I mean, you could share the things I make here, which I think are way nicer than the things I made when I was younger. So you then um, went to Full Sail. Did you do that right, after, right out of high school? I did that. 
right after high school. And that was, and you went there for what? So I went there for two and a half years, yeah. But but like for film? For just for film, yeah. Okay. Explain how Full Sail works because I knew some people that went there. I know some people who went there and it's a fairly, it's not really your typical college experience, right? No, it wasn't, which is like, a, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it in retrospect, but <laughs> it's ultimately like- like Kind of like being in a prison camp? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> ultimately like- pretty much everything in life you get out of it what you put in so ultimately it's just like it's an it's like an expedited course and it's just specifically tailored to like whatever art and design field you're suiting to so like there's like like crash course is built into yeah and like and you go through the paces and like pretty much every stage of like every production step it's like the every course is like pre-designed for each particular like if you're growing for recording engineering like there's that or show production or whatever so it's just like an these are all the things that you need to know here you go boom so it depends on how you feel about that but ultimately like ultimately what it is just like okay here is a building where they are collecting all these like-minded people who are all interested in the same thing so have at it that's ultimately what Hmm. it is because like i don't know once you're like almost like a startup like a tech startup kind of environment where it's just totally immersive yeah ultimately like what it is like pretty much anywhere in life is just like it's who you know and who you connect because like yeah you can have like all these little things on paper but ultimately when it boils down to especially like when it comes to like creative gigs like oh that guy oh my buddy rick oh he was great i know that guy we need someone Uh, he was cool instead of being like okay well that guy who had like the highest GPA, I think. Let's pull him out somewhere. Like, it's really just like, I don't know. We like working that guy. Oh, he's interested. Let's get him on it. Like, that's ultimately just, that's ultimately you just meet people, you just talk to people. So, like, I feel like you just kind of get out of it while you put in. Hmm. Uh, you got any musical memories associated with your life at Full Sail? Um, I absolutely, for sure. That was that kind of, in your late teens and like early 20s, that's definitely like, especially for like consuming like art and culture and media, like, that's like, yeah, I was definitely going through wavelengths, I think, at that time, for sure. Listening to what? Did you go to any concerts while you are up there? It's Orlando, right? Or somewhere near It's Orlando, Orlando. yeah. I went yeah. to a bunch of concerts. Um, I went to just bands that I enjoyed at the time, but mostly I actively sought out. I used, I really got into instrumental bands uh, during high school because I was so into film scores and film soundtracks. So it's just like a natural... And then I started gravitating towards like, oh, I actually follow like composers. And I'm like, okay, I'll actually like, oh, this composer. Did you wake up one day and be like, dude, I like, I'm following composers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never really thought about it. But yeah, ultimately I'd be like, oh, I hear this composer is working on this new movie. And like mm-hmm. sometimes I'll go see that movie just because I hear someone is scoring the movie instead of like, I don't know who's in it or what's it about or whatever. Like, because ultimately movies are just about like how they make you feel and mm-hmm. the music is such an enormous part of that so yeah that's how i that's i guess did you um out. you made some films while you were there yeah there's a i didn't make any personal ones i mostly just worked on others because i worked on i'm okay sorry can i start over yeah i like this fraction just so many ways okay this I, part might still be in the podcast <laughs> it probably won't be on the radio but okay that's okay <laughs> so I didn't I didn't make any a lot of personal films during college. I mostly just worked. I just wanted to get on my hands on like as many other people's mm-hmm. films. And that was actually a great because I met a bunch of great people from UCF because they also had a film program. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. were always like, hey, we're shooting a short film. We need people. So like I would always meet like people from UCF. And it was just like a giant little independent film community, which is actually really great. And I hope there's something like that down here there is we'll talk about it later awesome um uh was this you i found on imdb a listing of 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 your name with the lights in the sky yeah that's me yes uh you were director yeah that was the i guess my actually only real short film i've ever done that was my first one i did that in high school about ufos uh no, it should have been though. That would have been really Lights way more. Sky. Yeah, it would have been way more interesting. Is it yeah. About uh, drones. What was it um, about? <laughs> it's mostly stars. It's, uh, it's mostly about yeah, stars and like fireworks and things. Yeah. Okay. I think that's ultimately what illuminated the, objects above your head. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was the that was a short the short film I made when I was a senior, and that was like the first thing I really ever made, and then I got. Did you have to use that to get into Full sale? No, but it definitely didn't hurt for sure. Then I took it to the Lee County Student Film Festival because that was the whole reason I started making it in the first place. And then I ended up winning the best in show and then best in that category. So I was like, oh, okay, 
maybe this isn't a complete waste of time. So like I should, I don't know, pursue this. And so that's, I think that's ultimately when it cinched me practically like, oh, I would like to go to film school and I would like to figure Did you shoot out. that on your hacked iPhone? No, I actually, so my girlfriend at the time had like, uh, camera of hers that I used. It was like a digital camera that could also shoot video. Yeah, yeah, like so a little I, pixel yeah. or a little whatever. So little it Kodak. got the job done for sure better than my phone jankiness did, but yeah, is it's that still that one also rough. hidden on YouTube? That one is also hidden on okay. YouTube, yeah. The Witch is Condemning? Hmm. No, I don't think that's mine. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sure that's like something I worked on 2012? in 2012? Yeah, yeah I'm sure that's... It says you were the condemner, whatever that hmm. means. That's what I Yeah, IMDb I'm just going to be honest. That whole era is kind of a blur. Kind of a blur, so, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure, that, I'm sure that, <laughs> that sounds right. Okay, well, let's get to your second song now. This is the... How do you say it? Cigaros? So, so this is Cigaros. Cigaros. Is how you pronounce the band name. And okay. the title, actually, I'm not super 100% on the pronunciation. Sterile fur. I thought that's close enough, yeah. <laughs> Stadelfur is like, yeah, it's close enough. I'm not Icelandic either, so I don't know. Uh, what's the story, or would you like to listen? So it, this is an instrumental one, and the story behind this is this is one of the songs um, that I – it was on a soundtrack for a movie called The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which is a Wes Anderson film, which I adore still to this day. Mm-hmm. And there's like so many great – like. Portuguese uh, David Bowie covers on the movie, which are great. But then this song comes in towards the end and it was like completely over for me when I heard that song. Like it just shifted. I had already had an interest in instrumental and film scores, but this was a specific like artist that not emulated, but had the same energy and same things I value in like scores and instrumentals that I like. For example, because like they sing, but it's mostly in a made-up language, and it's mostly just for the melody as an instrument, not really just like what they're saying. So th- when I heard this song, it changed how I listened to music. It changed how I sought out music, and it changed how I experience music in a visual form and attached to a visual form. And it's one of the not this song in particular, but I used one of their songs in my short film which is the one that I used to feel like, okay, cool, I can do this, and I'll go to film school. So, like, I feel like... Lights in the Sky had yeah. this song in it? Not this song in oh, particular, but, but, but a song by them. Right, right. And it was great because they specifically have a clause saying, like, hey, you can use our music for any, like, a non-commercial work. So, like, okay, if you're a student or... So, it whatever. was a legit use. Yeah, so I had, like... Because, mm-hmm. like, people, like, make stuff and they'll put, like, whatever popular song was playing at the time like no you can't just play whatever music there's like rights and you have to if you're screening something there's like so much actual Uh paperwork behind you can't be like oh and put whatever on they just let you do it and then i yeah because they it was on their their website like that was their policy so i like i printed that out and i sourced it like hey look i'm gonna put this music on not that really anyone would have been like wait a minute i think that's copyrighted work but to cover my bases yeah they legally said Hmm. hey our music is kind of not for that, but like we see that a lot of people enjoy it for that purpose. So like, here you go. You can have access to it as long as it's like non-commercial work. So like obviously like film festivals or short films, student films, whatever. Hmm. Well, let's listen to it. Yep. Sig- Star Starofer. Yeah, that's close enough. Yeah. A Sigur Ross off their 1999 album. And this one, look at that. Try to say that. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I've actually never said it out loud. There's so an know. A and an E merged. Yeah. There's word. like different characters like Aegitus. Bjorn, Aegis Bjorn, maybe? I don't right. know. Yeah, he said it. It's, Rain, it's Randy Ramos' second song on this week's episode of Three Song Stories. It's biography through music. I really like that part at the end. <laughs> um, what are you thinking of or like what are you seeing in your mind's eye when you're listening to that? Are you thinking of the movie or are you think what are you thinking of? This song in particular, I'm thinking of the movie and that specific scene because it's like a very, I don't know, it's a melancholy. It's like very cathartic scene. And that's kind of what I, that draws me to them in the first place. It's like very hopeful, but it's also very melancholy. It's very... I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but like what they do with soundscapes, it just trained me to appreciate actually music more in a different way instead of being like, oh, okay, well, this song's boring because like there's no words. So like there's nothing keeping my interest or engagement, but like the melody themselves should be engaging you. And if it's not, then like, okay, well, that's a deeper issue with the song. So I don't know. It just taught me, yeah, I, 
completely rewired my brain chemistry when it comes to music. So when I think of this song in particular, I think of the movie. But when I think of like their music in particular, because some of their songs are like a minute long, some of their songs are like 20 minutes long. And I just think like, okay, if a particular song grabs me, I'll th- I will start like my brain will just start like putting together like, okay, this will look good with this attached to it or this attached to this to attach to it or like, oh, where I happen to be not literally right now because we're kind of just like in a soundproof room but like if I happen to be like outside and I happen the song comes out like oh this will look good with this way or if it was this way or if it looked this way like that's where my brain starts spinning and that's why like okay I also I'm actively seeking out music also for inspiration because as anyone who works in a creative field or profession um, the brain is uh, it's a tricky mystery sometimes so like mm-hmm. it's hard to like all right I need this to happen. I oh, need the juices to yeah, be flowing. Yeah, I need the juices to, yeah, <laughs> please be flowing. But sometimes it'd be like that and it's not flowing. So I feel like when I listen to music like this, sometimes, um, because there are some filmmakers who like have done, have amazing jobs just like actually selecting like needle drops. Like for example, Scorsese, like he picks like all the songs he pretty much just like likes when he grew up, when he grew up, but there's like all these 70s rock. There's all like these 50s Italian ballads, like all these things, like those because he never really uses original score. He just picks songs that he think and same with like Tarantino and them. They make an art form of actually selecting different songs that go with the theme of the movie. But for me, it's just so helpful to like, okay, this is like quote raw information and it helps me to elevate. Okay. If I use that as a foundation, maybe it'll inspire me to do this and this. And like, sometimes hmm. things go in my head that I'd even yeah, yeah. want to think about. And just from listening to the music. Yeah. Um, you know, knowing that that's a fake language made me like it even more mm-hmm. because I wasn't like thinking, I wonder what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wes Anderson films. Mm-hmm. You, that, is that your favorite? I wouldn't say they're my favorite. Um, I mean, is that Life Aquatic? Your, your oh, I would say of his? of his, I think. Absolutely. I think yeah. there's a couple that may like, for example, I really like Moonrise, Moonrise Kingdom that might take the cake for me almost a little bit. But just because this was the first Wes Anderson f- film I ever saw. This was the first oh, this time. this was? This one yeah, was? Yeah, this is the first time, I, first time I ever <laughs> yeah, saw it. Yeah, it'll imprint. The first Wes Anderson experience will have like, imprint Whoa. upon a person. <laughs> and then it's, yeah, he's very hit or miss if a lot of people, some, I mean, because like. But if he resonates with you, you remember. Yeah. Because a lot of people think he's style and no substance, but there is so much deep, deep substance there. Yeah. It's just under the layer of all like this little fun, pastiche, pastelli, like, I don't know, fun little um, art decoration and mise-en-scene and um like uh the set direct it's like how you construct a movie is not just what you're saying it's how you're presenting it yeah. and what it looks like and okay that person is wearing these specific colors and it's in contrast to the background colors of the wallpaper like there's people whose job specifically it's like is every like, yeah. single detail has been put there for his reason or somebody's reason and yep. yeah so it creates like this heightened state of like awareness which i love and Personally. then, and then people—I don't know—just they just can't engage enough. But again, like I don't know, it's just like maybe not what they're used to. But my my first was Rushmore, which I oh, just love, yeah. and the soundtrack uh, that, and then the soundtrack came out, and I was on a big trip out west, and I just remember driving through LA for the first mm-hmm. time in my old Bronco two, listening to the Rushmore yeah, soundtrack. Rushmore It'll never soundtrack. leave my brain. Oh my god, that's great. Um, before we move on to working in video, uh, real quick, when you were at Full Sail, I'm trying to think of the era. What were you? shooting on and what were you learning to edit on like, so what was that you know where so were we in the arc like, of cameras that was like early 2010s i would say so shooting wise things are mostly the same now like in that era like dslrs that's when like they were becoming mm-hmm. huge and they're still pretty much hard to say but that's when because the trickiest thing with cameras not to turn into like this giant boring tech thing but we can nerd out a little bit the, the trickiest thing with cameras is like okay it's ultimately it's like the quality of the picture comes from the glass, the lenses that you're putting in front of the image sensor. So the things with like camcorders and stuff, like you can't really get high quality glass without spending like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So with these DSLRs, like everyone has like regular camera bodies and then everyone has access mostly to camera lenses. But when you turn on the video portion of it, you're using 
professional glass grade photo lenses to capture video. So that's why the image looks amazing. Yeah. So when people are like, whoa, we can shoot video on this? Because I remember when, oh, I remember when, that when, happened. when Canon came out, it was just like, I don't know, you guys can shoot video on it if you want. And it like completely revolutionized, revolutionized the industry forever and for always. So now we were, that was like big. The DSLRs were kind of big. And it's just like, they're just kind of upgrading it more and more every year. So what were you uh, editing on? Editing, if so... Uh, was that Premiere? Was that... They had Premiere. Avid? They still had Premiere. They taught us Avid because that's like the industry leader if you go to like any really production house. But it's frustrating because like they did have Premiere, but we, because it was like a Mac school, oh. we mostly did Final Cut Pro. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's uh, frustrating because it's a completely different kind of style of editing. And then Avid is also completely kind of different as well. So like it's all like these things but it's important to know all these things that way like hey cool if you go to any post house and you need a job boom i can do all these things so once you finished college when did you get your first job as a shooter or a video person or on a you know a video team of some kind so i worked throughout college just like little gigs here and there and then i feel like the first real like hey the government is taking money out of your salary job i had was when i shot um they have an ESPN affiliate at, um, at the Worldwide of Sports. So I got a job as a camera uh, operator there. And that was a great experience because, like, a, you, so shoot all, you shoot like all the games, games there. Yeah. I'm like, I did not grow up sports a lot. That's not what, like, my family watched. And that's not what I grew were you up like. like shooting so. a sideline camera, like one of those big old things? Or what were you shooting? Um, it depends. It depends on, like, you would rotate because, like, the, the big ones. See, this is why I love not having your bio because <laughs> this is such a surprise to me. So, like, the big, yeah, the big studio ones, like, they were. They had, um, they were like up top and they had like, um, I'm blanking on a word, but like, I don't know, you had to take the stairs to get, this like on the second floor. So like, and you're like closer to the sun. So you're like broiling alive if you do the sand ones, but then you also have like handheld guys on the field and they're the ones running around trying to get all the shots of the close-ups and tights and everything. So like, wow, that was actually like, that was a great actually learning experience because one, it was not the easiest job because you're running around in the brutal Florida sun in summer, but also like I'm learning so much about like not just how the game works, but also like how to shoot sports in general because oh, it's yeah. completely different. It's than, like really in the moment yeah, stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it tells you so much about like, especially just like live documentary work. Like there's a moment and if you miss it, it's gone. So you hope you get better at catching the moment and like you take that tip and it, especially to what we do, like capturing documentary, like, you have to capture what's live and you can't redo it. So that that also, eventually I started doing weddings and stuff. And that's when that really came into like, if you miss a moment during a wedding, I don't know. I shot a couple <laughs> weddings back in the day Rip. when I was still shooting film. You want to talk about being oh out on goodness. a ledge, yeah. man. Oh, oh my, my God. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> that whole, I cannot believe. Yeah. I miss that whole era. Even just like the tape to tech deck, deck era. Like I miss that, but like yeah. those were huge. I'm kind of glad. Cause like, the because I eventually worked at a new station and like those cameras were so enormously uncomfortably huge like so frustrating. What was your it was what was your first news camera? I mean your news station was it working at Wink? I know that I could see I found that about you on online. Actually, so I worked at Waterman, <laughs> which is uh, the local NBC and ABC affiliate here in Southwest Florida. So that I worked I worked there for like five or six years, and I honestly learned so much in like a not a live news environment working there like. If you don't work well under pressure, then you need to figure that out. Because like in live news, like in breaking news situations, like I just learned so many things. And like you have to just like because of my shooting style is absolutely not the shooting style that's required for like live news gathering or documentary work. So for me to like, OK, that's another tool I can add. Yeah. yeah. That's not something I'm particularly were great you at. mostly working in the building or were they sending you out on stand ups? We sent we were out every every single day. Gotcha. So it was great. I actually worked the morning shift. That was not great, but it was great because like, we do a lot of, it's Florida, so we do a lot of beach stories. So like, there's so many live shots where we're like, hey, I have to frame for like the sun is literally coming up as we're going live. It's like beautiful and gorgeous. Like we got to see like the sunrise and just hung out mm-hmm. every morning. That was kind of actually great. And you see and you're, you see so much of Florida that I've like, been here my whole life, but there's so many places I had been to the first for the first time just because like, they're sending you out all over the city at any given moment. Who knows where the next story is? So, yeah. Got any uh, uh, epic equipment fail stories from your time there? Hmm. You know, everyone has a moment where something didn't go the way it was supposed to during a time when it should have or has to. I mean, oh, for especially in, yeah, especially in live news, what you're seeing. So we have what this, like radio does it too, but like, oh, clean on air, which means like, oh, it was clean on air, like, 
the product that you see on TV was fine, but that does not necessarily mean that like what was supposed to happen behind the scenes would happen. So like it's and I and because before I was a photographer, I was a, a director there, so I would uh, like the the live shows and stuff. You would you would either be punching the board or you would be calling calling the show, and there are just so many times where like the perfect storm of so many things happen because there's so many you're juggling all these balls in the air and they're all on this track. But sometimes and that like, clock's ticking. And, and also there's a ticking <laughs> clock as well that you have to, you mm-hmm. can't not hit the clock. So there's a ticking clock element. And it's like, oh, you're on this track. And sometimes the tracks just like fall out from under you. And then you have to figure out how to keep going with uh-huh. no track whatsoever. So yeah, it taught me a lot about working under pressure, working under deadlines, working, I don't know. It just, I remember one time I was working the morning, the morning shift, which is like a, very, very, very easy because it's like the morning and there's no one there. And then, oh, there was like a plane crash at like a nearby daycare. And then that was like an, oh, now it's just like, this is a real news day. It's like all hands on deck situation. Oh, and I also, I mean, morbidly speaking, uh, I was working the morning after the the zombie con shooting. So mm-hmm. that was also like one of my first times being in that position that was like okay this is also a very serious all hands on deck situation like so many things are happening there's so many variables to juggle all these like uh, it was just like such an overflow of information like the fact that that's like a job that people have to constantly put themselves through because they're like career yeah. tv directors like all right i've been in the biz like 50 years like the fact that you could put your brain to that much stress like on a constant basis and this is just like a relatively mid market yeah, yeah like if you go to like the the dude who like directs the Super Bowl or the Oscars, like absolutely insane. Yeah, like the amount of the amount of hand-eye coordination you need to be at all times, and just like uh, replay this two-second highlight, and then like oh, and it's insane. Uh, it probably changes the way you watch the way you watch TV. Absolutely, you yeah. know, you see the the gears turning behind the scenes. What's it been like coming to public uh, media? It's the pace a little different. The pace is a little different for sure. Thankfully, yes, the pace is a lot better, and a, you a lot of the things. The tricky thing with that kind of news environment is like you're just constantly trying to have to turn things out, turn things out, turn things out. But like, not that we don't want to create content here, but like we have time a little more flexibility to be like sit and breathe and like let the content actually edit down, whittle down to like the actual. I don't know the best possible verb form it could be and just yeah. you get to flesh put, things you out. You get to put more into the craft of it instead of just trying to move information from one place to another. Right. Which ultimately, like, I'm looking for any way that I can, like, add another, like, notch on my belt for when it comes to this because I just want to at some point create the best possible version, but I can't do that if I don't have, like, all the skills and abilities and, like, information. So, like, yeah, like all these like little things have helped me like become such a better shooter. And I wouldn't be in where I was today if it wasn't for like having gone through like all these little things. I've got a nerd question. I hope it makes sense. Do you um, here at work, do you shoot in raw and then color correct? Or do you just shoot in some sort of form that looks pretty good and then maybe just tweak it a hair? For the sake of time here, I just try to make it look as good on the day. And then if I can tweak it a little bit, fine. But I, the goal is to like shoot raw, and then that way you can really just do whatever you want with it. But for the sake of time, like I would never be able to turn something up because you can tweak something infinitely. And then I really ultimately that's where I want to get to. Yeah, maybe not in this context, but maybe on the side, like making independent films oh, with people you meet at mm. the Fort Myers Film Festival. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yep, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we I mentioned that to you the other day. There is an independent film community in Fort Myers, and you need to find your way into it, and that way you can do some of that stuff. I would absolutely love that. Um, on a side nerd note, um, you mentioned hacking your iPhone. Are you familiar with Magic Lantern? Mm-hmm. That's something I did to my camera, yep. I have a Canon D7 mm-hmm. that has Magic Lantern on it, and I was able to shoot raw at not quite... Uh, you know, 19, mm. you know, not quite there, but I can get 24 frames raw at almost there. I think I remember doing that too. And I went through the whole process of like going in and doing, you know, it's like, oh, that's so cool. But that was, I just kind of burned out on it. Yeah. But I, I went down that road. No, that was my, actually my first camera that I used in, in high school. So after I got, so I, I eventually I was able to afford like a DSLR. So I got the little, the Rebel T2i and that camera 
paid for itself maybe 60 times over. Wow. That little like $750 like DSLR at the time I thought was really expensive, but like the amount of gigs I got and I used that little thing and like, I don't know, yeah, it paid for itself so many times over. And like I remember having to hack it and install Magic Lantern because like it's not meant to be used as yeah. like a professional video camera. So like it has like all these little things that like I need like audio meters, I need like I need like a waveform and all these things and it's you a great learning and you, you put it on once there, yeah. you figure it out you've learned so much mm-hmm. and just for the listeners real quick it's basically if you have a Canon DSL um, a DS, DSLR mm-hmm. you add a little bit of file stuff structure to your card and then when you turn it on you can jack into an entirely separate new menu with all this new functionality that does not exist on the camera mm-hmm. it's like magic yeah. lantern it's magic it's lantern. like magic lantern yeah no it's amazing I use that. So often, yeah. Okay, so before we get to your third song, um, you know, a lot of times we ask people if they have a favorite movie soundtrack, and it's kind of like, yeah. But for mm-hmm. you, let's talk about mm-hmm. movie soundtracks. There, there are so incre- oh my goodness, there's so many, there's so many movie soundtracks. Which one jumped into your head first? So I really like. So okay, it's easier to say like soundtracks I'm really enjoying right now. For example, I don't know if you watch Succession. Mm-mm. But that score and the soundtrack is absolutely incredible. The composer Nicholas Bertel, so he's done he's done Moonlight, he's done um what's the other one? Um he did another one of Barry Jenkins, I'm blanking on the name, but he's just like an incredible composer. I'm listening to I listen to like religiously. When I think of movie soundtracks that really jump out to me, I, I growing up in Tarantino movies like that, he was he was my guy, I think, because he was also like the one who got me into not movies, but how I consume movies because his whole persona was just like, oh, he's like this video store nerd who like yeah. just like loves movies so much. He just became a director. Like obviously that really resonated with me when I was younger. So like so much of his, like his Kill Bill soundtracks, I remember, and it's like so eclectic and it's like from so many decades and so many eras, like it exposed me like there's so many things like the Inglourious Bastards soundtrack in particular. I love that soundtrack. And it's mostly like 50s, like European songs. And it's like Italian composers. Like it's like, I don't know. I, would rem- I remember listening to those nonstop. I think of, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Solaris yeah. with George Clooney. That soundtrack in particular, that's one of my all time movie soundtracks. Ooh. It's just so... It's like so I don't know how to describe it, but it's that that's particular soundtrack in general is what I gravitate. And like that's so that composer Cliff Martinez, like he's done a bunch of movies that I will watch a movie just because he's done the soundtrack to it and I have done that. Okay. Time for song three, Nine Inch Nails. What's the story or we should we just listen? So the story with this one is um, a lot of my songs don't have like particular stories attached. They're just more like talking about the song and like my time period. So I was like, okay, I need to find like a song that has a particular like actual story attached to it. And then I thought of the time I went to go see um, Nine Inch Nails in concert in Vegas. And I was like, oh, uh, that was a great concert. Um, but then I took way too many edibles and I had, I don't know, my very first too many edibles, edibles experience. I was like, okay. The first of how many? The first of, <laughs> I don't know. Who's to say now? More than two. Definitely, I don't know. Definitely more than one, I would say, but... Once so you have you, it, once you have your first, I think you're very wary the next time. Yeah. Right. So what happened? So ultimately, so we <laughs> fly to Vegas and then we do the concert and then and we were like, oh, Vegas has recreational weed. Well, don't mind if I do. So we go have a few edibles before the concert and have a fine time. And then they, at the time, I don't remember the exact concentration, but it was like, oh, these little things have this many milligrams in them. So like, okay, I took this many and I was fine. But then we went somewhere else and we got like a different brand and like they were different sizes and stuff. But I'm like, all right, these ones are a smaller milligram. So, okay, cool. I'll just like take the same amount, but I'll just take like whatever, double the whatever it is. But it's like still the same quote milligrams. But it ended up being like three quarters of the 10. But I'm like, okay, no, but if this is like 0.5, then like, all right. So just, you screwed up the math. So like, I, I feel like I, I crunched the numbers, but I could have, I could have just screwed up the math, but I, I swear I crunched the numbers properly. And then when I realized I was like, oh, I ate three quarters of the 10. Oh, well, what's the worst that could happen? So we were just hanging out and then we're having, I don't know, we're just walking around. And then I realized like, oh, we're on the street and I want to get onto the ledge. I physically cannot move my 
foot over and step onto the ledge because I'm about to like the world just started like literally spinning upside down. So I'm like, oh, this is what a too many edibles experience is like. This is what we're going to experience. And uh, so the reason I picked this song is just because like I can't <laughs> not every time I listen to Nine Inch Nails, I'm like, okay, oh yeah, remember the time I took too many edibles? I well, just like that it's Nine Inch Nails and thinking of it in that sort of a context and you walk, as well. You stumbling it's around pretty Vegas. intense, actually. <laughs> after just is this is after the concert, right? So you probably had heard this song. At that yes, concert. so I've had heard the song already. Okay, and it's called Closer. Mm-hmm. I just want to closer. Like, closer. Closer, closer. See, closer. we've had this happen before because you pronounce. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because a different pronunciation. Closer, nearer, yeah. closer by Nine Inch Nails off their 1994 album, The Downward Spiral, which Randy was on that night. This is Randy Ramos's final song on today's episode of Three Song Stories. That was the first time I ever really listened closely all the way through a Nine Inch Nail song, especially in headphones. Mm-hmm. That was great. Yeah. It's a lovely time. Um, yeah, presumably, your friends who were with you, you know, helped you through your your, your yeah, issues. Yeah, I was essentially you, like you're here today. Yeah, so I'm you here today. Uh, I was essentially catatonic. Luckily, my friend that was with me, I think, obviously took care of me. But yeah, it was um, hmm, it was definitely a memorable experience. And like that was the first time I'd actually been to the West Coast because, like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, like I've never even pretty much, like I've traveled internationally a lot to like go to South America, but I've actually never been anywhere in the U.S. for I mean. I have now, but at the time, so like, okay, I need to see what's up at the West Coast. So like, we flew to Vegas, and then from there, we drove to San Diego. So and you like, drove down, and drove like, like down through LA and the whole yeah, thing. Oh, yeah. we actually, I mean, no, I think we went somewhere and then drove all the way up the coast and went like through like the PCH, and then we went to like San Fran and everything. We stopped at like LA and everything. Like, oh, we did all these things that are great. But the entire time, then we went to visit the Grand Canyon stuff, which I'd never done. But the entire time, I think I was high for like 80 hours straight. And at a certain point, I was like, because I woke up still feeling the same way. I was like, okay. And you get to the point where like, okay, I'm actually done being high now. I would like it to stop. But you, once you're on the ride, that's it. Because like, it like metabolizes inside your body. So like, yeah, you're it. That's it. So ultimately, it was, I mean, it was a great time. I saw so many great experiences. But I don't know. I was also really anxious on the Grand Canyon. I was like, okay, I could easily like fall off the cliff and like <laughs> die at any point. So I'm like, I don't know. I once drove cross country with my sister, and we stopped at the Grand Canyon on her way to moving to LA, and took mushrooms. Mm, so there's that. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, okay, you ready for a speed round? Sure. Okay. Do you have a nickname that stuck over the course of your life that you would be willing to share? A nickname? I do not think so. Hmm. Um, Randy's your actual given name, right? I think we established that. Randy in the hall is once. my yes, my legal name. Yes. You kind of have a nickname for a legal name. I guess. I don't um, have you ever met any other Randys? I sure have not, but I know they're out there because they're using up all my usernames. And that's an interesting way to collect data. <laughs> um, karaoke? Um, karaoke. Hmm. Like, do I enjoy it or like <laughs> pick a song? <laughs> no, do you do, you do karaoke? Um, yeah, not actively, but yeah, I love karaoke. Like, when I play rock band, that's essentially karaoke. You're singing the songs. Oh, you do sing along when you're playing rock band? Well, Guitar Hero, it was just Oh, Rock the Band's guitar, the one where you have to guitar, sing. Rock Band right. is like where it has the drums. That's part and, of the winning the game is yeah. being able to do it close enough. Yeah, so you play Yeah, you, each, you play each instrument. So like, I would sing, yeah, I'd sing plenty of songs in there for sure. Um, when was the last time you bought music that had physical form? Not that long ago. Um, I actually, over lockdown, I invested in like a really nice turntable setup because I really want to I want to like collecting physical media and to like so I, I can't remember the last album I think I bought physically but it could not have been that long ago hmm was it a vinyl or something it was vinyl yeah uh, but I don't know what it was hmm hmm where'd you buy it Joe's it must have been on Amazon, I think. Oh, online. Are there any local record stores? Joe's. There's so okay. many. Joe's Downtown you? and oh. Beach Records, oh, former guest Marty Bourgeois owns Ooh, Beach Records okay. down by the beach. And then Joe at Joe's um, Downtown is somebody who we've been trying to get on the show for a while. Hmm. Not very hard, but we like to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember the last album I bought, but I tried to specifically only get... Because I don't want to just jump down a giant rabbit hole where I keep collecting more things. So, so I only want to get albums that I feel like are not perfect, but just like is a no skip album. Like I enjoyed truly yeah, every yeah. song on this album. So I don't know. Hmm. 
I can't. I, hmm, I could not remember what it, the last one. It's was. a perfect record, but I can't remember its name. <laughs> um, if you were a championship wrestler, what would you be your song you would enter on? I was a championship wrestler. Honestly, hmm. What's the the name escapes me? You know, closer by Nine Inch Nails. I mean, yeah, that'd be good. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'd be a pretty good one. Sure. I mean, if I if I was fighting someone and he came out with that song, I'd be like, oh, dude, what's up? <laughs> Never mind. I don't know. Um, what That's is that definitely song? a really good energy, though. I like that for um a theme song. What is the song? Sorry, I'm looking it up. Hmm. We're leaving this in too. Oh, easy. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with the song Throw It Up by Lil Jon and the Eastside Boys, but I absolutely... Yes, that would be amazing. Because it samples one of my favorite movie soundtracks ever, Rec Room for a Dream. Mm. That was like actually my first... How I first got introduced to soundtracks is like, whoa. Soundtracks and actually like they're not just background music. Whoa, you can like... It just blew me away. So yeah, that song in particular from that soundtrack. So yeah, Throw It Up. That's a great song. What would your wrestler name be? Wrestler name. Hmm. I don't know. I, maybe something like, I want to say like something like whatever the Mexican wrestler kind of type their names are, but I don't know any of them off the top of my head. Yeah, this is a great song. Hmm. If I was a wrestler. Should I uh, pop this down, Mike, or should I leave oh it? Oh, no, on? go leave it. Leave it. <laughs> I don't know, Tara. What do you think? Here we go. What, his, what should his wrestler name be? What was the name of the person he played in that film he doesn't remember what was the case they said he was something in a film and he doesn't remember that was on his imdb page what was it mike oh yeah what was it the, the commander no it was like the, the, the renouncer the, the, the condemner the condemner the okay, condemner. Yeah, like okay. so imagine that with this actually that'd be pretty sick yeah i like that ah uh. <laughs> there this is the best part yeah i don't know that goes pretty hard the condemner's the a condemner, good wrestler yeah. name um okay thank you tara um if you were a cocktail or drink of some kind that would be a distilled essence of who you are, what would it be comprised of? I was thinking maybe a Paloma because they're like, they're like sweet. They're like refreshing, but I don't know. They can be tart sometimes depending on how much you put in there. Yeah. I've only ever heard that name in the context of a street off of McGregor. Really? In Fort Myers. Oh, it's a really good cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's tequila, lime, uh, grapefruit soda, I think too, and orange. Yeah. Okay. Song you wish you could hear again for the first time? That's a great question. Okay. Hmm. Song again I could wish... Uh, song again I wish I heard again for the first time. Is it Throw It Up by Little John and the Eastside Boys? I mean, it could be. I remember the first time I... It blew me up because, like, I heard... Like, I when I heard the samples, I was like, whoa, what is this? Somebody sampled this song? Yeah, so, yeah, maybe that song. Yeah. The song's incredible. Changed my life. Any songs you'll avoid listening to because you don't want to be reminded of something that they associate with? There might be. There's probably a few, but mostly when it comes down to that is I try not to edit to songs that I love um, because unless you want to hate that song for the rest of your life and never be able to listen to it. Because when you edit to something, you're not just like listening to it the whole way through again. You're listening to snippets over and over and maybe the same snippet over and over and over again and backtracking again. So like I've done like, oh, I love this song. Let me use it for a video. And then like, oh, I can never listen to this song again because it's burned now. So like, I tried to actively avoid songs that I want to enjoy and put it in a video because that's it's just ruined forever. So example... There's a couple songs that I, for example, I, um, I picked the song Teen Dream by Beach House for one of my friend's wedding videos I shot for them. And I love that song. I was like, oh, this would be such a great song to put in your video. But then like now I, I genuinely hate that song because I listened to it so many times in every possible configuration that I, whenever I hear that song, I actually get angry and I don't want to listen to it anymore. If you went to their house and sat down and watched the wedding video with them, you'd be all like, Grr. A little bit. I'd be like, I'd definitely be hiding <laughs> on the edge. I'm like, why are we, why did you wait for now to put this on? You could have watched this at any time. Um, I've seen it. Okay, Tara, pull up the uh, the theme song. What are we going to do, 30 Rock? Yeah, it's already up. It's okay. already there. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I did watch this back in the day. I, I'm sure I'll recognize it once it comes gone, but you guys do your thing and I'll try to chime in. Maybe I'll do a David Mayfield uh, horror oh, screen. There we go. Okay, so it's a TV theme song committed to memory, and Rendy chose the 30 Rock theme song. 
We did it. I didn't do the David Mayfield horror scream. I didn't feel like your eyes were wide at the end. I didn't feel like it was appropriate. I was trying to decide if I should do it. Great job, Randy. Uh, if you could broadcast a song into the head of every person on the planet simultaneously, magically, mm. what song would it be? Mm. Another great question. I don't know if you're familiar with the song Pony by Genuine or Genuine. That's a great song. So if I could just pick any song to be like, you know what? Every person on the planet, for whatever reason, is going to hear this song right now. Okay. That's the one. If everyone experienced the same song, and they would, it would be like societal collapse because oh, people no. would, like people would be like, the end of days is here. It would, it would definitely be a moment marked in human yeah. history. And like I don't know, and like people would be like, Jesus is coming, and like I don't know, like, like society would break down, and just because of be because because of Pony from Genuine. You got a dream uh, like piece of gear right now that you wish you could get some new camera for yourself or anything, or do you? Do you even really worry about your own personal gear at the moment because you got all the stuff here to play with? There are dream gear. Hmm. That's a great question. Like if somebody wrote you a blank check and said you could buy uh, one camera, Randy, what would uh, it be? Um, if I could have – so in school we played with the the Ari Alexa, which is like a digital cinema camera. Those go for like 50 or 60 grand and they've only gotten better since then. So if I could just have like – one of those, that would be amazing. That would be so nice. So if anyone out there is listening and has an Alexa they would like to donate to me or give to me or buy for me, that's cool too. Yeah, I'm out here. What would your 14-year-old self think of who you are here with us today? I think he would be very, very excited. I There are just so many, like where I ended up and like what I did is like genuinely the only thing I've ever thought about doing. So for him to be like, oh. Cool, yeah, we did it. That was it. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, you got three people to recommend? I do have three people, yeah. Oh, no, I think I have two people. I could probably find a third, I think. Well, think on the third while you say the first two. Okay. <laughs> so if I could bring anyone on, it would be um, my friend who took care of me on Edibles in Vegas, who we went to the concert with. He actually is like a music fanatic, and he his like... I'm like subscribed to Spotify playlists and like they're just like so many different genres and eclectic because like I I just gravitated more towards mu- movies but he gravitated more towards music so like he just like has such varied taste that so he would like he would have so many I'm sure all these stories for all, all these music so he has different playlists for like different moods and energies and like different like times like what's yeah. his name and my his name is Brennan okay yeah so my, share my, this with him okay and then we will try to get him on. okay yeah that'd be okay. awesome number two um, probably my friend Matt, who I, he was a director at Waterman and he still is a director of Waterman. He also has a lot of eclectic music taste. Um, he, yeah, he, I think he would be a great guest to have on cause he has so much, he has very specific tastes, but they're also so varied. So I feel like he would have, yeah, he would have a lot of great stories to have on. Yeah. Okay. Did you think of a third one yet? Or are you going to have to punt? Third one. Hmm. Think of a third one. Someone I know. Somebody who you can say, I was on a show and I mentioned you. Hmm. Whether or not they would be willing to do it, that doesn't really matter. This is just a marketing technique, Randy. So I would say, yeah, maybe one of my friends, Ray, he also has really great, he has almost complete different taste kind of than I'm. So I am exposed to a lot of things from him. So he would have a great, he would be a great one to have on as well. Okay. Well, thank you for doing this again on such short notice. Yeah, of course. It's nice to talk to you in this studio under different circumstances than the last time we talked, which was like two days after Hurricane Ian, and we were in the intense. It sure was, yeah. Intensity. And thank you for shooting video of me that was then played on PBS, which made the cashier at Publix I've known for years finally know who I oh, was. Oh, yeah. There so we I go. appreciate that. See, that go. was great. Yeah. Now you're a local celeb. <laughs> any, uh, any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Um, not really. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for giving me, I don't know, an outlet to just talk nonsense, I guess. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah, of course. 
We make three-song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer and host, and she directed today's episode. Our production assistant is Jared the Intern Gonzalez. Christophus is executive producer, and our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're jumping back a year to episode number 193 guest Andriana Shepard. She's the consumer reporter at Wink News in Fort Myers. Andriana's first song was Feel So Good by Chuck Mangione. Her family had recordings of her great-grandparents talking to each other, and while listening to them one day with her grandma when she was young, this song came on in the background of the recording, and that made her grandma, who had asthma, get up and start dancing to it, and that gave her an asthma attack. And that moment formed a memory that will live on for her and for her family for the rest of their lives through this song. And so when the song comes on the radio, everybody gets really emotional. But it wasn't really attached to me until my grandma died and I was in charge of making the music. And everybody said, oh, Chuck Mangione. And I was like, got it. Put it on there. And we were in the backyard for the repass. And when this song came up, everybody who really knew my grandma, you could all see them kind of slump and then kind of go, oh, and kind of like, not quite burst into tears, but kind of like subtly start crying. And I did too. And now it's, it's kind of like, whenever the song comes on the radio now for me, I'm like, okay, everything's all right. And the same thing goes with my mom when she thinks about it. She's like, oh, mom's talking to me. Keep listening.